Good morning and good afternoon. Welcome back to another episode of the Briando Babes podcast. I hope in these just under 30 episodes, you have found some inspiration, entertainment, and chisme. And if you have, I would appreciate a share, a review, a rating, all the things, all the things you know that helps us creators be able to continue to create. In this episode today, you are going to find a lot of value. I promise you that. I was able to talk to Dr. Shao, who is paving the way. Like, I can just say it that way. She is paving the way for postpartum healthcare and what that looks like. And not even postpartum, because as she talks about the work she does, she tells us she actually starts around the third trimester. So she is seriously a powerhouse and she just she provides so much information that I need literally anybody who is pregnant thinking about getting pregnant if you know somebody that's pregnant if you love somebody that's pregnant just just listen to this episode take it in take down some notes uh, because she she just gives us so much information so I hope you enjoyed this episode and if you do share it with somebody who's gonna find some value in it as well even if they've already been pregnant but they will get pregnant soon like you just learn so much from your first pregnancy to your next you acquire information resources everything so I I'm so thankful that she gave us her time and I hope you enjoy it. Good morning, buenos dias. We have a very exciting guest today. I have OBGYN, she'll introduce herself. I have Dr. Shell here and she's gonna talk about something really important and her time is very, very valuable. So we're just gonna get right into it. Um, introduce yourself, who you are, and what you do. I am Dr. Jennifer Shell, and I am the owner and creator of Shell Wellness, which is a company that caters to new moms. And I start caring for you at the third trimester and all the way through when you don't need me anymore. So you decide what your postpartum period looks like. Oh, I love that you said that because one of my first questions was how long is postpartum because Technically, the word means after you have the baby, which is the rest of your life. So true. how long is postpartum or what's... Medically speaking, postpartum is the first year after you have the baby. Oh, a year? Mm-hmm. A lot of keep... my... Yeah, what, what did you think? I'm curious. I found medically speaking, I hear a lot of people say the fourth trimester. Uh-huh. So I was like, 12 weeks, 6 yep, weeks? Exactly. Because there's an arbitrary decision by our government and healthcare system that it's three months postpartum. Why? Because you get three months maternity leave, which is ridiculous. Yeah. So no, postpartum is all the way through the first year of your baby's life. And surprisingly, a lot of women don't know that they can be fine in the beginning and postpartum depression and anxiety can hit at (laughs) six months. You're raising your hand. (laughs) No, my, with my second daughter, it hit after a year. There you go. After so there are. So that's not 
as common, but it happens because, mm -hmm. like I say, no todo el mundo se lee el libro. Like, no, not everybody reads the book, meaning not everybody falls into the category of postpartum, right? Yeah. So, so it hit you after the year. Mm -hmm. So many women are hit around six weeks. There's the two-week postpartum blues, mm -hmm. which are very common, but that is not postpartum depression, not postpartum anxiety. We can talk about that. I can talk, talk about this forever. Yeah. Um, and But some women call me at eight weeks. Some I just had a friend text me last night that one of her friends has it, and her baby may be six months old. You know, I don't know. I haven't I haven't gotten the text back, but okay. many times um, the babies are older, and you don't know what's going on and it's probably postpartum then you don't know who to go to mm -hmm. and you don't feel comfortable going to your OBGYN because mm -hmm. it's been more than six months. Mm -hmm. I still think you should go to your OBGYN. You probably already need an annual exam by that time if it's been that long. So you can use that as an excuse if you'd like to get your pap done as well. Yeah. Um, and maybe your mammogram. Don't forget about those ladies. And <laughs> um, I have so much to say. And... Um, But also, you can just make a problem visit. Say, I need to see my... It's called a problem visit? Yes, it's called a... I can a... call my gynecologist yes. and say I need a... I have a... a... Yes, a... it's a problem visit. Because it can be... Follow-up visits are where we're following up something you had. But then a problem visit can be a vaginal yeast infection. That's a problem visit. Um, and you don't have to tell the person, I have postpartum depression. You can just say... You don't have to tell the receptionist if you're not comfortable with what you're feeling. You can just say, I need to see the doctor. It's a problem visit. Yes, they may be like, that's weird. You know, who cares? Who cares? The doctor will address your concerns when you see the doctor one-on-one. -on -one. You don't have to share with anyone else if you don't feel comfortable. But if you okay. do, you can just say, I'm having, you know, I'm having some postpartum issues. You can be just general like that. That can be anything. Okay. Um, obviously, mental health care providers are a must in this. Therapists. And um, you can get on betterhelp.com. Better that's yeah. a great source. And people say you don't have time because they're working. Mm -hmm. They can do it at night, the therapy, and it works amazing. Um, and you have um, in your office, they most offices in Miami have a system where they, you know, you do this little questionnaire. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And if you're smart enough and you don't want to be caught, you know how yeah. to answer it. Yeah. And you don't have postpartum issues because you don't want to deal with it. Mm -hmm. Okay, that's not okay, ladies. But <laughs> if you decided to do that, it already passed. No sense in looking back. But now you can say... You know that questionnaire you give your postpartum patients? Can you connect me with that woman that helps those patients? Because there's a woman behind it. Um, wow. Her name is actually Maureen that gets all these women connected to what they need, to the healthcare. So you can go to your OBGYN office. Most OBGYN offices work with this lady. And they may not even know because this is something that happens like automated. It's like an iPad. You do this. She gets an automated response and she contacts Maureen. you. Maureen. Yes, this <laughs> Maureen amazing lady that I still need to talk to. And we may need to come back to your show and do a session with her too because I still have to meet her. I texted her this morning actually. That's um, funny. But she's going to help me like guide my clients into... Your services. Yes. my Okay, I'll, we'll talk about that too. But okay. Yes, keep going. So why aren't OBGYN, um, and I'm sure this is just like so many technicalities, but why can't they just prescribe right then and there? They can. Um, 100%. So, so my OB can prescribe Cymbalta? Uh, yes. Okay, okay. So we can prescribe, number one, we can prescribe anything. We have full license for anything. And okay. most of us have controlled substance like Xanax prescriptions for that too. So when you're, my advice for you guys is 
If you have suffered from diagnosed depression or anxiety and you are on meds and you get pregnant, please don't get off your meds. You don't need to get off your meds. You can call your doctor immediately, even even before your first OB appointment and say, I'm on this medicine. Should I switch it or should I stay on this one? Okay. So you need to be on something called an SSRI, serotonin, um, selective serotonin receptor inhibitor. Mm -hmm. Those are things like Lexapro and Prozac. Mm -hmm. Those are super safe in pregnancy and the risks, you know, are less, I mean, the risks are higher than the benefits if you get off the medication. Mm-hmm. So basically, it's you're worse off if you get off the medication because you're going to have an anxiety-filled pregnancy. You could cause things like increased blood pressure with extreme stress. You know, these are, these are things that happen when a woman is extremely stressed and their anxiety and depression are not treated. You can get high blood pressure. Um, cortisol levels go up. That can trigger... I got um, shingles once from stress. Sh- shingles. And you're, you're, so shingles, you were pregnant? No, no. So when like you're 20. pregnant, you're even more prone to shingles because you're, oh, wow. yes, because your immune system is lower. So add immune system low plus stress. Imagine all the things that happen. So stay on your medication. If you're not on it and you get peripartum, it's not post, peri means around the delivery. You can get depression and anxiety before you have your baby. You're not weird. You're not you're not rejecting your baby. You're not hating your baby. You're just feeling anxious or depressed, pregnant. Talk to your OBGYN. They'll prescribe you medications so that you prevent the postpartum part of it too. Mm-hmm. And you start in the third trimester and you stay on it through the postpartum. Okay. So yes, 100%. We start people all the time on anti-anxiety and antidepressive medications. During the pregnancy. During the pregnancy and postpartum too. And even at your annual exam. Even if you've, your baby's five years old and you go to the OBGYN, we are primary care doctors. If you're a healthy I woman, use my OBGYN yes, as my primary care. Exactly. <laughs> Many people used me too when I had an office. And I would prescribe. And yes, I'm not going to... We don't go into if you're having suicidal depression, you know, things that serious. We're not mental health providers and you need therapy too. But we refer you to one and we can start your medication and then they adjust it for you. Okay. Okay, I like that. I like that because I know I've been, and here I'll just like get personal personal and vulnerable, but I know that I've been in places where I'm like, I feel right now in a crisis where I don't have time to go to the OB for them to send me somewhere. I was just like, what do I do? I need something right now. But that's good to know. That was before I got on my meds, and I've said it in other episodes. Good. I am on meds. Good. Um, That was before I got on them, and I told you, luckily I have a sister that I can just mm-hmm. call and be like, what do I do? I need something this instant right now. Yes. So that's yes. that's always that was always a worry for me. Like what I told you what happened with my daughter. I'm like, mm-hmm. I don't have time to go first, wait for the appointment for my OB then. Yep. So I don't know. I guess like when you're in crisis, like what should they so do? So depends on what crisis means. Because crisis of I want to kill myself or hurt someone else, you need to call 911. If it's a, I cannot get out of bed, I am super depressed, or mm-hmm. I'm very anxious, my chest is hurting, you need to make an appointment, believe it or not, with one of them, like your, your primary care or your OBGYN. Mm-hmm. But when you said, I need something now, that also, I want to in, I want to educate women, and those of you, because there are a lot, that get Xanax from my friend or mm-hmm, whatever, mm-hmm. and just take it here and there. Like That's what I told pill. my sister. I was like, <clears throat> I need somebody right now. That so, <laughs> so if you're finding, please listen to this. If you're finding yourself taking a little bit of Xanax or Clonopin, 
every week here and there, you need a maintenance medication yes. like Prozac or Lexapro, which are wonderful. I do believe they should be in the water after a pandemic. Everybody <laughs> should be on it. It calms you down. It, it slows down that, that hamster of, of feelings mm -hmm. and, and fears. And when somebody else wakes you up at night, you don't go back to bed thinking all the things you have to do the next day. It's like this... Oh my God, my best friend is going to love this episode. <laughs> <laughs> so basically, it's that, that hamster, Lexapro and Prozac and other meds in that category. Obviously, I'm not a psychiatrist. Slow that hamster down so that you can actually go back to bed and be like, okay, I'll deal with the kids' homework tomorrow after school. I don't need to be thinking about, oh my God, I'm going to have so much homework today and then ballet and then <laughs> gymnastics and soccer and this. You just deal with that. And then you don't need that Xanax because Xanax is addictive, very addictive. Mm -hmm. It's better clonopin, which is longer acting. Mm -hmm. So, but even if you're on clonopin, which is better than Xanax, in my opinion, mm -hmm. you should honestly, if you're taking it on a regular basis, you should either increase if you're already on Prozac or Lexapro, mm -hmm. increase that dose. No, no. Listen, we go through things in life and that's why there are, there are doses of medications mm -hmm. and adjustments. And we are here mental health providers, not me, but your doctors are here to adjust your meds. So you can be on, so many moms come to me and they're like, I've had anxiety all my life, but now with this baby, I just can't. And I'm constantly worried that baby's going to get hurt. Mm -hmm, and mm -hmm, I feel like mm -hmm. I need to deal with the pool in my house and I need to deal with the car and, yep. and this and that. Okay. There's no shame. You may need medication for three to four months. If you've been able to cope with your anxiety all your life, With healthy things like, which I highly recommend before starting a medication usually, like exercising, sleeping, you know, seven to eight hours every night, which for moms sometimes is impossible. Literally. Yep. <laughs> I was up all night last night with my daughter being sick. You were? Oh yeah. And I still did not cancel on you because why? We're moms. Aww. And I need to help moms. And your podcast is a voice that I need. Thank you. Yes, of course. So, thank you for having me. So, yeah, let's go to the next question because okay. I can talk about this forever. So what made you, just in your journey, like what made you switch from clinical care to starting this business? Oh, many things. So I honestly, it's very hard to be um, in a private practice as an OBGYN. Mm -hmm. That's why we are overworked and insurance companies don't cover postpartum care. That's why you get one visit or two if you don't have any surrounding issues because your doctor doesn't get paid for them and that doesn't pay the bills. Yeah. So those visits are a joke. They're like, bim, bam, boom. Mm -hmm. um, not every OBGYN. I know there are exceptions that are magical and I'm grateful for them. Um, and they actually refer me patients, clients for me because I'm not doing anything medical, but um, they refer me their patients to me as clients and I'm very grateful for that. They see the importance of what I do, which we'll talk about. Um... What was your question again? <laughs> that why'd you leave? Did this happen to you guys? <laughs> yes. <laughs> I left because I was overworked, number one. Um, I felt unappreciated. And don't we all? But then I said, I can't be not doing anything. I need to still help women because that was always the reason I became an OBGYN. Mm -hmm. like, the main reason is I love helping women in, when they're vulnerable. Getting their annual exams, feeling weird. I always made them feel good and they'd be like, that wasn't so bad. And I was yeah. like, yes, that was the point. Aww. So I left and then I'm like, who do I help? What do I do? And then I'm like, wait, nobody helped me after I had my son. I had postpartum depression. I told my partner who I worked with, who is an amazing physician clinically and a great human. And I said, 
I'm depressed. I think I'm depressed. And her answer was, no, Shell, you're super happy. You're always super happy. No, my yep. God, you're just tired. Yeah. And I was like, okay. I'm and then, tired. And then I walked to the other one and I go, can I come back to work? I was two weeks after a C-section. They didn't think that was odd. Like, so yes, there were, there were issues that weren't addressed, not because they're bad doctors, it's because we're not trained in it. Just so you know, guys, we are not trained how to teach a woman how to breastfeed. Nothing about mastitis, really. Just like the obvious, like, uh, terrible mastitis that have the fever and have mm-hmm. a, an abscess. But we don't... So many doctors treat must treat a clogged duct as mastitis, where you don't need antibiotics with a clogged duct. You just need treatment and support and help in maintaining your supply and all this stuff. So they don't teach us anything about postpartum. So, and much less about the feelings that come and the tender loving care that moms need. So that's what I do. I don't do anything medical anymore. I use my title in my benefit because I feel like it makes you guys feel better than it's coming from a doctor. Yes. And I have three little kids and I had postpartum depression. I had postpartum anxiety. I have had multiple miscarriages. I know all of this and I know how neglected we feel and how amazing we're treated when we're pregnant and everybody opens the door and she's pregnant let her come in let her sit all this give her the big dressing room everything and then when you're with a baby you're a nuisance you're apologizing on a plane because you're with a baby i mean they should be apologizing to you for not having better seats for you or a place to pump or breastfeed your baby without the person sitting next to you like bumping your shoulder Uh when you're trying to breastfeed your baby and waking up the baby wow oh my god i love that you are like (laughs) literally doing the lord's work because you're like using like your personal experience your professional experience your training and you just found this important gap and my passion i want to close that gap it's a huge gap and we need to close it so what would you say at the white house like if you had a magic wand and you could go to the white house Mm -hmm. like what would you tell them right now like the way that I wanted a Xanax right now. So if I could go to the White House with a magic wand, I could ask for so many things, but I'm going to limit it. I would say after the baby is born, the mother should get six months of paid maternity leave. At six months, they should have someone from the government or, the, or from the healthcare. Honestly, I would prefer healthcare world come in and evaluate the mother to see if the mom needs more time. Some mothers want to go back to work full-time at six months. They're Mm -hmm. done. They want to. They want their life back. They want to adjust back. Some Mm -hmm. mothers need to want to go back, but they don't want to go back full-time. They need an adjustment period. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And other mothers need more time. Those who have had a preemie baby, those who had a pregnancy complication that they were stressed the entire pregnancy, me, I was put on bed rest at 24 weeks. Oh my God. I was depressed. My husband would come home and I'd be crying for no reason. I'm like, yeah, I'm just crying. I don't know. I'm bored. I watched Ellen. I watched the Ellen show. I watched Good Morning America. I'm just crying now. That's literally me. Yep. So I was crying. So I think to summarize, I would give six months postpartum full pay for every mother and then an evaluation at six months to individualize because we you can't put us all in a box yeah and individualize and then perhaps you know thinking because i'm not blind and i know some business owners are listening to this too and i don't want them to think i'm just crazy i would do an evaluation and these women some if the company can afford it they should continue to pay the mother if the company can't maybe keep the benefits or keep, you know, a half salary or a percentage yeah. or something to, you know, 
help the company and help the mom. That way, you know, the mom feels appreciated by her workplace. And that's all. And then everybody should get pumping breaks. That's for sure. Yeah. I had to breaks. come in an hour early because I had two 30-minute pumping breaks during my day. So wow. I was forced to come in earlier in the morning to make up for Two 30-minute breaks mm -hmm. in the whole day. Yeah. Which is fine. I had one in the morning. That worked out fine. And one okay. in the afternoon, what I don't think was... I couldn't okay, do it was too. having I to was come very like constantly. You had to yeah. do it. Yeah. Yeah. So we're all different. That's what yeah. I'm saying. I think, you know, we're not against being evaluated and, and, you know, individualized. We're not trying to take advantage of the system. Mm -hmm. We just want fair treatment. Yeah. I would be right behind you at the White House saying, okay, what Let's she do says. do it. Where are we going? Let's go. But I would be right behind you and saying what she says, but make it easy. Because I remember when I was trying to figure out my healthcare benefits, I couldn't. And yes. I had to like set up a side. I did like a an inst a, um, a reel about it. Um, the one that like the person's on the phone going, uh -huh. that's what like, it sounded yeah. like. And no matter what I would do, and like I'm a very educated person or whatever, and like and I would sit with my papelito and I'd be like, okay, I'm gonna figure this out. I could not figure it out. And I had them calling, being like, you didn't send this paper. Literally a week, or there was one. There's part of it that it's like before you leave the hospital, you have to contact HR. And I'm like. Oh my I don't want to call you HR, the hospital when, like, you're, when you're trying to learn how to breastfeed. Oh yeah, my I'm God. like, I don't. If you choose to, you don't have to. Yeah, 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 uh -huh. yeah. So I, I and I did, <clears throat> but I was just like, I, I don't understand yeah. this. So to what you were saying, plus, please make it easier. So um, moving away a little bit from like the political side of it and all of that. I do have one question that I wanted to ask you about those evaluations, whether it's at six weeks, at six months or whatever. What can you tell moms about? Because I know sometimes we're scared that like if we say too much. Okay. I want you to understand that one, 50% of women, basically out of two women that go see their OBGYN for a postpartum visit, one of those women is having harmful thoughts about their babies. Not that they want to hurt their baby or kill their baby, but they're having thoughts of, they're imagining the baby falling down the stairs They're imagining the baby falling out of the crib. Um, they're imagining their baby's hurt. They don't actively want to hurt their baby, but they think that because they're having those thoughts, they want to hurt their baby. Mm -hmm. And then they think that somebody's going to send CPS to their house, mm -hmm. which is not what would happen. Every OB is capable of understanding these things. And if they're not, you need to switch OB. Um, and... Understand that this is an interpretation of anxiety. Your exhausted postpartum brain is adjusting and trying to express your worries to you in not such a great way. Wow. Making you think that you want to hurt your baby. I love the way you put that. So everyone needs to understand that most of your friends have these thoughts. Whether they admit it or remember them, that's a different story. But they have those thoughts. Even sexual thoughts, which is weird, where you like are changing the diaper and you're like, look at their little parts and you're like, oh, that's a little weird. Like, oh, it's that's anxiety because your your brain is, you know, you're scared that you're hiring a nanny and you're afraid that the new nanny, you don't know her. What if she mm -hmm. molests your child? So then you think of molesting your child, but it's not that you're going to molest your child. It's this anxiety thought that you didn't, you didn't, wow. you can't control because it's your brain that's exhausted and not knowing how to tell you hey you're stressed you need meds or you need therapy yeah you need rest really yeah if i could prescribe one thing to moms it's eight hours of rest 
like <laughs> sleep and yes it's a joke sleep when the baby sleeps that's that's a joke it's nobody can nap you can't nap when the na baby naps but part of what i do with my services is schedules and this is so important i provide you a schedule for when you're in the hospital that one obviously is the most tiring but you're at the hospital you have the full support there to feed the baby your colostrum if you choose to do so then you have a schedule for when you're totally engorged that a lot of people don't even tell you your breasts are gonna hurt and then you start thinking you have mastitis and you don't this is good your milk is coming in but it's painful mm -hmm. so the schedule needs to change to adjust for that milk coming in and for the baby's stomach that's growing because it was the size of a marble when the baby was born but it grows really fast that first week and your milk doesn't come in until you get home so then you're alone and your milk is coming in and then what so that's why i'm there with them literally virtually or, or in person and then when the milk is in then you increase the time you put the baby on the breast and you feed you can then do the whole 15 minutes on each side every three hours i saw your video about like it's yeah. ridiculous to put a baby on for 30 minutes yes when the baby's just born when you only have colostrum it's it's not okay so you can't again you can't put everyone in a box you can't put every newborn in a box either Mm -hmm. so so yeah so that's that's basically what i do okay and then we hear this a lot well we hear two things a lot we hear it takes a village but then we also hear moms are alone uh -huh. so it's like okay but which one is it if there was a billboard outside of golf courses that mm -hmm. would flash right before football games <laughs> um at the gym love it if there was Uh, when you, they turn on their Xbox, if there was just like a message mm -hmm. for partners, like what should that message be? I would say she's not mean. She's asking for help. Mm -hmm. Or she's not mean. She's exhausted. Yeah. So they, there's a lot that goes on in a relationship. First of all, you need to know how the relationship was before they had the baby. And then let's say your relationship was fine before you had your baby. It's very normal for partners to, to have um, lots of bickering after a baby's born mm -hmm. because the babies need a lot and they give nothing to you, especially <laughs> newborns. They don't even smile at you. And then when you're like at your wit's end, then they start smiling. Uh -huh. That makes it all better. But in the beginning, they're parasites. It sounds rough. But it's true. The definition of a parasite, it's something that's attached to you that sucks and sucks and sucks and doesn't give anything back. That's so funny. That's so literally they, what they were. That's literally what they were. So they're beautiful and you love them and that's fine and that's good. But it's okay to say newborns are boring. I'm not a newborn stage person. I love the newborn stage. See, look at that. I love the newborn so stage. So I was never a newborn person. With my third, because I knew she was my last, I did enjoy it and loved it, which is crazy. But when I had my second, my husband would ask me, so which one do you want to take right now? And I'm like, the toddler. He's like, why? I'm like, because he talks back to me. Like, he's more fun. I would take the newborn. See, he he's a newborn person. He loved the newborn stage. He would just like cuddle them and like, it was super cute. So, yes, babies make you love your partner in a totally different way when you see them interacting with their child. It's mm -hmm. beautiful, but it can also be very distressing in a relationship because you have to, there are roles. And we're in a world right now, and I don't know if this is a little controversial, but we're living in a world where everything is supposed to be 50 50. Mm -hmm. And you can't say that of every marriage. No. For example, my husband right now, he works full time 
works very hard, and I work at the hospital. When I'm at the hospital, yes, I work very hard, and I'm exhausted when I get home, but days like today where I can come and talk to you, this is still work for me. Yes. I'm still working, but it's not the same stress. I'm enjoying this, really. Yeah. It's not the same work I'm doing when I'm at the hospital. Then I also have all these loads that are not, you know, the children load, the school work, mm -hmm. the school after activities, the they have to wear this shirt today. But mm -hmm. no, the kindergarten mm -hmm. one wears this shirt, but the pre-K two doesn't participate, but the first grader yes. does this. So it's all like the group chats. All the group chats and all this stuff. It's all work. But I can't expect my husband to do 50% of the childcare. Mm -hmm. And a lot of There's like a lot of this whole gender thing where we have to make everything equal. And I'm sorry, I'm a little bit against that because mm -hmm. you have to individualize again. You can't put everyone in a box, every marriage in a box. At night, if my kids get up, I get up with them. Not my husband because guess what? He's doing surgery the next day. I wouldn't want my doctor to be up at 3 a.m. and operating on, you know, operating on me or my mother. So, you know, you have to individualize. And this world, you need to sit down with your partner and say, okay, You're working full-time. I'm on maternity leave. I do need your help in the beginning. If you can't help me, why don't we save money and we ask, we hire someone to help me if mm -hmm. you can't because you have to sleep. Honestly, my packages, and I'm going to use this to advertise myself. Do it. Thank you. I'm not going <laughs> to feel guilty because we all have mom guilt and I feel guilt of everything. No. We all have guilt of everything. But I need you guys to understand that Shell Wellness is here to fill that void. There is a void. You need me even though you think you got it. You think you'll figure it out. You think it's okay because your mom had a hard time. Your mother-in-law had a hard time. Mm -hmm. And just this is how postpartum is. No, this is not how postpartum is. You're supposed to have guidance. And you're supposed to have a village. Back in the day, there was literally a village literally. to help a mother yeah. lay down. And they would do everything for her. Yeah. Sorry I don't have the time to have you lay down and me do everything for you. But... I can get close to that. I will make you everything you need. The bombshell package, if you're a first-time mom, that's what you need. I put that there because that's the one you need. I broke it down into others in case, you know, other moms can't can't handle the price or, or like the time where they don't need certain parts. But the bombshell is I start you at like 30-something weeks whenever you feel comfortable because I had a client that texted me, I had my baby at 36, can we start sooner? Of course you can. I don't to a clock because then they're like wait but you said it last this many weeks. no relax i'm not here to take advantage of you i'm yeah. here to help you so if you want to do it earlier i'll do it earlier and it has like it includes this many visits and these many phone calls and i put it includes these many phone calls because there are people that are a little cray cray and will abuse me but most of you guys don't i do that as a guideline so you know you have me to call me whenever you need me ask your advice actually I'm trying to figure out my packages and one of the things is I have like three calls a week for your entire postpartum. Would you rather schedule those calls or would you rather be able to call me whenever you can? Call whenever you can. That's what I thought. But, but so I know that's hard on you. Well, I may not be, that's the thing. I may not be able to answer, but I'll call you back like, like a friend. That's how I thought. Like you call your friend, sometimes she doesn't answer and she'll text you. I'll call you back when I'm done. That's here. really cool or that like, you're saying all this because... And all my friends know this. Like, I told you, my sister's an OB. And when I tell you that, like, she works um, 24 hours on Tuesdays. Mm -hmm. And Tuesdays were my favorite day because I was like, I know she's up. Yeah. It's yeah, 3 a.m. Yeah, and yeah. I know she's up. Yeah. Wednesdays were my hardest day because I'm like, I have to let my sister rest. <laughs> so it's like these packages. She's your that, personal. I love it. I yeah. Love it. So these packages that you offer, you know, like. I understand the importance of it. And yeah. like now that I'm understanding more what you do in your business, mm -hmm. like it's priceless. 
it's literally priceless. Like, honestly, put it on your not, baby shower registry. Yes, 100%. Like, I tell them to write, in lieu of a baby registry gift, please buy a gift certificate. You go to my website and they can pick a gift certificate of $20, $50, whatever anyone wants I to spend on it. I love this. Yeah. So. And I do think, like, especially first-time moms, like, we're all guilty of it. Like, we go on the websites and we add everything. Yes, and you don't need all that. Honestly, that's another service I want to do, like tweak your baby registry. Yes. But I still don't know how to do it. Sometimes like, I've but I want at- people to send me their registries and I'll like be like, boom, 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 boom. Here you go. Yeah. Maybe like 20 bucks and I'll do it. I don't know. Yeah. I don't know how much to charge. That, that I, That's funny because I've had friends tell me that I should do that. Sometimes yeah, I look at baby registries and I'm like, you don't need 19 different burp cloths. Like, no. And get- 19 bottles. Just pick two brands. That's it. Yeah. That's yeah, it. Yeah. I wouldn't even tell you pick one brand. One. Open one box. And if the baby doesn't like it, you return the unopened boxes and you switch them for the other one. Oh, mm-hmm. brilliant. Brilliant. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah. When I see some of these registries that I'm like, oh, like you literally just need the diapers, the wipes. And the one thing that I tell people now, I'm like, put this on your registry for you. It's not for the baby. It's for you. Yeah. The noise machine. Oh, yeah. 100%. The hatch machine. And now yeah. every time I have a friend yeah. that has a baby or whatever, I'm like, I want to get them that because I know that that's the yes. one thing that like... Yeah. yeah, and we all have our one thing. Exactly. Mine's the breast friend pillow. If you're trying to breastfeed, I hate the boppy. Return yeah. it. <laughs> you don't need the boppy. Sorry, boppy. Please don't sue me for defamation or whatever. Defamation. You know, it's funny with the first I can one. I have my opinions. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> with the first one, I used it a lot. But with the second one, I never used it. The boppy? Yeah. The boppy sucks. It unhelps you because it's so soft and whatever. Yeah, it's nice to put the baby on it. But to breastfeed, the breast friend pillow has a pocket, first of all. So if you have something on your nipples, like a nipple shield that I like when... People, it's a great free advice, ladies. If you're breastfeeding, <laughs> get the Medela Thera shells and put it inside your bra when you're not breastfeeding so you can airear los nipples so that you feel comfortable and then you breastfeed the baby. But when you take them off or the pacifier, the tete, you put, you put it, it in the little pocket. It has, it ties to you so it doesn't fall. And it's, it's, uh, it's actually memory foam. It's like harder. It's so uh. nice. It's the best. And you said about putting the baby on the bobby. You can't even do that till they're like yeah. three months anyways. Sucks. So, okay. Yeah. So the other, the other service that I offer is awesome. It's called early sleep training. And a lot of people ask, do you have to cry? Do we cry it out? And all this stuff. No, you do not. A baby this young. Cause I like to start people between six and nine weeks is my perfect time to start them and then if somebody contacts me at 12 weeks I can still adjust it and do it but I like the earlier the better because we start fresh and we start teaching the baby the difference between day and night Mm -hmm. it's a schedule during the day so type A's love this (laughs) if you like to fly by the seat of your pants you may not like it but honestly I think all moms benefit from this because I tell you feed the baby at this time put the baby to nap at this time and all this stuff and even the moms that are contacting me that the baby just won't get off their chest. There's no easy way to transition a baby off of you, but trying and being persistent and not letting the baby cry bloody murder, but putting, you know, soothing with your and your palmaditas and the pacifier. If your baby takes the pacifier, um, that helps a lot. But the schedule itself helps that a lot because the baby is tired for the nap times, not, not extra tired because then you, it backfires. So you have to have this perfect timing to mm-hmm. put the baby down mm-hmm. where the baby's going to take the nap, not on you. Um, if you want to keep the baby on your chest. What is it that they say, like, awake but drowsy? Yes, exactly. So then you put the baby awake but drowsy. 
Um, and in the beginning, I let you kind of cheat where you like, you can swing the baby from side to side and then transfer the baby swinging to the swing. I love swings. They're the best for that. Um, then I transition you to stage two, which gives you back that quality time. I don't know about you guys, but with my husband, I like to watch shows with him at night. So putting the baby down around like 7.30 p.m. gave us like an hour of watching TV and then I go to bed early and he gave the last bottle of like an 11 p.m. bottle and then... So I'm sleeping four hours, which is so nice. And then he sleeps. So nice, four hours. I know, right? <laughs> In the beginning. I'm talking when the baby's like six to seven weeks, remember uh -huh. those? So. But then by eight weeks, those babies are sleeping eight hours. Seven mm -hmm. to eight hours by eight weeks. And by 12 weeks, they're sleeping 10 to 12 hours. So it's really, really nice. And that, and you don't cry out. Now, toddlers, that's a different story. Oh, yeah. I was about to say, can no. you come to yeah. her? <laughs> yeah, no. Sorry, guys. The toddlers, I, I can't even deal with my toddler right now. She's, she's terrible lately. I love her, but oh my God. She's yeah, the mine third too. and the last. <laughs> yeah, mine is mine's something else. So you mentioned too, like you're saying, like you like to watch this with your husband and with your packages and everything, like should the husbands be a part of these conversations? Many times they are, and I love it because they hear. And when I see a husband that's not like super into it or is giving her privacy, which is fine. Um, I call them in for the important parts. Like I take that initiative and I'm like, hey, call your husband because I want him to see this. Like what? What's an example um, of something they should see? So the latching. So I teach the mom before she delivers how to latch the baby at the hospital. But I like for the husband to watch because they keep an eye and they're great at this. Most of them are like, that's not what she said. My She's, husband was like that. See, like she said to put your hand this way. That was my husband. Make sure you did it like that way. So that's cool. Some husbands don't want anything to do with it and that's fine. But I still get him involved because I say she's going to be holding her breast with one hand and the baby with the other. So you need to be her third arm and make sure the baby's arms are away from the nipple. So they get involved in that and that they're mostly fine. If you have a husband that doesn't even want to do that, get rid of him, man. <laughs> but... Yeah, our, my first one just... He, That's why he was your first. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. That's why, yeah, he thought it was disgusting. Yeah, like the so breastfeeding. No, that's not like, normal. Like, they and don't have that to, was the opposite of me. Yeah, they don't have to like it. They don't have to be like, oh, I love watching you breastfeed. It's so beautiful and romantic. No, yeah, but, yeah. but if you need the help, that's what a partner does. They need yeah. to support you. Yeah. Um, so for women that um, choose not to breastfeed mm -hmm. and um, like that difference between... Because you hear a lot, like, if you are choosing to breastfeed, have the husband do the diaper changes and all of that. And so do you agree with, like, and again, you did say, like, it's very individualized. 50-50 is very different for everybody. Yeah. But do you think that's, like, part I think, of it? So, okay. There are different reasons, and all reasons for not breastfeeding are good for me. I will never judge a mom for that. So if you're listening and you're afraid of me judging you and not using my services, no, I will not judge you. But... I would say um, a lot of moms think they don't want to breastfeed and they don't get the help before because they're like, I don't want to breastfeed. But then they get to the hospital, you have the baby, they put the baby on you and you're like, oh shit, I want him. Sorry. No, it's okay. <laughs> I want to breastfeed and I don't know how. And or, or they put the baby on, the breastfeeding goes fine, those first latches, because this is new, your breast is not hurting. But three days later, when you get home, mm -hmm. your breast is destroyed because you didn't know the good latch that I should have taught you. So I still think if you're not wanting to breastfeed, you should use me because I will still show you the latch just so you know it in case you change your mind. 
And then when you get home, if you don't want to do it, you're going to go through an emotional roller coaster and you are going to compare yourself to society because society shoves the breast is best to mm-hmm. everyone. So when you stop, you're going to have me telling you, it's okay, you made this decision for this reason. And some moms have medical reasons for this. Mm-hmm. Medications that they need to be on that are not okay with breastfeeding. Mm-hmm. There are a few. Most of them, by the way, you are okay. And I, I urge you to really find out with an expert. But otherwise, those few medications that are really not permitted and that they need, that's a reason. And this mm-hmm. mom may want to breastfeed, but she can't. Some moms don't want to because they're scared of going into depression because they had a major depression episode before pregnancy and they know that sleep deprivation and Mm -hmm. this whole breastfeeding thing can put you at risk and the whole weaning process after you're done throws you off the handle you know Mm -hmm. then then i those are very valid reasons too and again all reasons are valid but these are medical reasons and i'm with you and i can guide you through all of that through the roller coaster of stopping, deciding whether you're, you know, the six or eight ounces you're making in 24 hours is worth it. Yeah. To give to your baby. So many of us go through that. And yeah. We don't talk about that. For me, one thing that was hard is I wanted to breastfeed with my second one. I was mm-hmm. like, for three years. But then around <laughs> um, like 13 months, she started biting me. Mm-hmm. And I cried so much. And like uh, yeah. the bite didn't hurt as much as like, but I wanted to be yeah, like. Yeah, see, I, would, I was years. never like a breastfeeder. I did it. With my third, and that's when I was destroyed when she had um, milk protein allergy. Oh, my God. Mm-hmm. And I had to stop, and I cried a lot, but I'm like, I know myself. I had already given up dairy and soy, and the next steps were like egg and some nuts and some this. I'm like, I'm done. I'm yeah. done. I need, I need my life back. And I love that. Yeah. So the one thing I tell my friends, I'm like, the second you walk in the door to have your baby... The first thing you have to do as soon as they put the baby on you is say, I need to speak to the lactation consultant because there's mm-hmm. always like a waiting list. Yeah. And with my first, I had to wait like an extra four hours before I could get discharged because it took so long for her to come. But now when somebody tells me I'm going to be like, call Dr. Shaw. <laughs> Thank you. You need Thank to. You. Because <laughs> right also now, in the hospital, you get, you get different. I get my clients tell me this. It was so confusing on the postpartum floor because they would tell me different things mm-hmm. about like how often to feed the baby, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. how to feed the baby, mm-hmm. for how long to feed the baby. So it's different. So I would, if you didn't use me, I would stick to one person's advice and just because it's not, it's so crazy. Yeah. So I always joke with my clients and I'm like, you paid me to come here. So you better use my, my advice, advice. And don't get distracted by the free advice. Okay. So yeah, that's part of the, what I tell them. Okay. And I have one more question mm-hmm. before we close this off. Actually, love, and then... See, and I love questions, guys. Like, when I go to your house, please have a list. I love it. Yeah. Oh. Uh, I... That's funny. Um, Since I had my sister, when I would go to my prenatal visits, one time the doctor's like, you never have questions for me. Yeah. And I was like, I have one question. This was with my first. He was at Mercy. So I was like, do I go in through La Carreta or through <laughs> ER when I come for my baby? <laughs> that was before I knew I had a scheduled C-section. That's funny. And I was like, the only thing... because the main entrance there was a la carreta in mercy mm-hmm, mm-hmm. so he's like really that's all you have to ask me <laughs> um but i always have a You're lucky. thousand You're I, i'm lucky. Very, lucky. very lucky and like knowing what you that's have. what i want to be to my clients yeah except obviously i can't be for free every just like uh-huh. no and not only for free but i can't be like your 3 a.m tuesday for everyone <laughs> because then i wouldn't sleep 
I call her so, nanny, so you have to be nanny for everybody. Yeah, exactly. exactly. Um, yeah, and it's the same way. Like people pay for like a wedding planner. People pay for wedding planners yes. to do the things that they don't know how. Yes, to they do. Don't people see that pay. They need this. People pay for such unnecessary things like the snoo. You don't. I was need about to ask snow. about the snoo when oh, you were talking about the sleeping. I don't like it. Yeah, it's just another barrier you'll have to go over. To get the baby to sleep normal in a crib. Like, yeah. You don't really need this. Mm. You need my schedules. That's yeah. That's all you need. I love that. Um, I have one more OB questions and then two <clears throat> questions that I ask all my moms that come on oh, the cool. podcast. So um, I just want your opinion. Um, there's really no reason for this question. I just want to hear what you think about this. Why do you think men go into OB and like that field? <laughs> and... Um, a lot of men go into OB because of surgery. They love surgery. The surgery in gynecology is really interesting. Um, so a lot of them are very surgically oriented. They mm-hmm. love the robot, the Da Vinci robot. Google it if you don't know what that is. But um, And uh, they do OB because they have to, because that's what really pays for the office. While your gynecology practice is growing, and when you're young, you start young, so most of your clients are younger, so they don't need hysterectomies, they don't need as much mm. surgery. So as you grow, your clients grow with you, and your gynecological part grows. Cool. Most of them are inclined into that, but there are others that just love OB for the same reason that I love OB. They love the pregnancy of it. Um, they love to support women, that they love pregnancy, and they love the medical aspect of it, and how to treat preeclampsia and like they're very interested in all of that i mean i think and it's not just because my sister or whatever and because i'm a woman but i think it's the coolest oh it's the best i think it's the coolest field like it's a sampler of medicine you get everything you get medicine psychiatry yeah therapy you get you have two patients really yeah sometimes more yeah yeah that's true that's true yeah i see it as um and my sister says this all the time like it's the happiest one too obviously there's very depressing things this is what i say i say it is the happiest field of medicine but that 10 percent that's bad is the worst oh that's a very good way of putting it Mm mm-hmm yeah, whenever I hear like an ENT or whatever, I'm like, that's so boring. It's gross. <laughs> Stupid. <laughs> so the topic of the men or whatever, and of course, this is individualized. Nobody come after us, whatever. <laughs> but um, do you think a man is as qualified to do like what you're doing? And like, this is speaking to like, you have three kids. You are no, yeah. you went through miscarriages. You mm-hmm. So like, what do you think is the difference in something like this? And like, don't come after us. I know it's 2023, like yeah. equality mean, for all. You mean postpartum care? Mm-hmm. No, 100% no. Okay. My dream is to have a postpartum center and my requirement will be, and I don't care if they come after me actually. When, <laughs> when I, how old are you? Do you want to share that or not? 33. Yeah, okay. I have a whole episode about how I'm 33. Okay. So I'm 40. About to turn 41, so by the way, I'm going to turn 40 again because I'm not ready for 41. You so go. I'm turning 40 again. Um, and after I turn 40, I'm a, I've decided that I don't care. Good. Like, I don't care what people say. I don't care who comes after me. I don't care how they judge me. I don't care if a friend doesn't like an aspect of me. I'm not going to change it. So you can choose to keep being my friend or not. I love it. So, yeah. So I... So come after us. We think that men yeah. are not qualified to do Dr. Shell's job. <laughs> no, they're not. They're not qualified. And and women, and this is going to be bad too, women without children cannot do, cannot work, will not be able to work at my center. You need to have had a child and you need to be a mother and you need to be a female to work 
at my dream center that one day I will open. I can't wait for it. I'm going to be at because, the grand opening. Thank you. Because <laughs> I because I I want women to know that the person taking care of them has been through. Has been there. Has been postpartum. And do you think um, this is going to like spin off into a whole other conversation, but do you think it should be a biological child? No. Okay. 100% no. Okay. No, 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 no. This is... This is um, this is a mother. To me, a mother doesn't have to be biological. Yeah, one hundred percent not. My cousin it had a baby surrogate, and she's the mother of that child. Yeah, yeah, and yeah. She is. So I like um, what I mean is someone who has who has gone through the newborn and taking care of a newborn. But obviously, when you use a surrogate, you don't go through the hormonal i was about to ask that do like people who do surrogacy and uh adoption and all of that do they go through like the same kind of postpartum um yes and no um the so the surrogate mom this is such an interesting topic that we've spun into the surrogate mom was pregnant and had the baby Mm -hmm. so that woman will go through changes hormonal changes body image changes and roles at home so for your services and the packages you offer, um, included in there are moms who had to use a surrogate? Yes, definitely. Moms who use the surrogate are still dealing with sleepless nights, mm-hmm. not knowing how to keep a newborn, you know. Like I said with my husband when I got home, what do we do now? Oh, I guess we just keep him alive. Yeah. Like, like a plant, <laughs> you know. So we don't, they didn't get instructions. Keep the parasite yeah. alive. Keep the parasite alive. <laughs> But yes, so those moms don't have an instruction book either. So they're going to feel lost. They're trying, they're going through, you know, a lot of other emotions that a biological mom didn't go through. Mm -hmm. So they definitely need a village too and need the support and need the sleep training and need, you know, how to feed the baby and what's too much and what's too little and how Mm -hmm. often and all these things. And, and to go even deeper into that as surrogate, the person that actually delivered that baby who gave a selfless gift of her body to a woman yes. to make her a mother, which I think is amazing and beautiful, um, that woman needs support too. Mm-hmm. So if somebody is in that situation, I am happy to adjust the packages to help both at the same time because you can help the pregnant one with questions and I'm happy to meet with both. Yeah, I think it's such a beautiful thing. I would give more. Like if they need an extra visit, I don't care. I think it's such a beautiful thing what they're doing that I want to support it and and reward it. It's so selfless. So I would like, you can help the mother. And if the surrogate decides to pump, because sometimes the mothers, the biological mom just say, I want to do formula and that's fine. And some see, you know, they want breast milk from the surrogate and the surrogate's willing to do it. Then, then that aspect of how to maintain the supply and all these things that can also be very useful cool i'm sure as your business grows a lot you're gonna have like so many unique cases mm-hmm. and all of that i already and have it's really fun oh it's cool really, really fun. cool yeah. cool yeah and i'm sure um have you dealt with yet um maybe somebody who had to give their child up for adoption that i have not i have mm-hmm. not given um i have not had the pleasure of helping someone but i would love to mm-hmm. awesome mm-hmm. well Okay, so I have two questions for you, just like as a mom, because I ask all the moms that come here. Okay. When do you feel you are brillando as a mom? Oof, okay. When I start my day, this is, this is silly, but yes, no, on Monday I had, I was glowing. I had a breakfast. I ate breakfast 
which doesn't always happen. And if I don't, I end up eating crap the whole day. So I had breakfast. I worked out for 15 minutes. I meal prepped for the whole week. I went to Publix. I made a meal for my family for that night and I prepped a meal for the next day when I worked at the hospital. And then I picked up my kids and took my kids to the extracurriculars and I was just like on it. To me, I was shining, like I was on it and I and a few people bought my packages, so I was shining also in my professional um, aspect. So That's I just awesome. it was really good and and it made me happy to like see that my kids ate the food I made and my husband oh. liked it too. So that's that's what makes me shine when I'm productive. I love that. And before I meant to ask you this before, but when you say you went to the hospital, are you just seeing your clients? No. So I'm I'm a laborist at Baptist. Oh. So okay. I am there in triage. So whoever comes to Baptist, either in labor or God forbid a car accident or anything like that, I'm basically the ER doctor of the OB. Oh, okay, okay. So the pregnant people um, above, I think it's 16 weeks to cut off, because if not, they go down to the main ER. Oh, okay. Um, and then I call your doctor, and I'm like, no, she's not in labor. I'm going to send her home, or she's in labor, or whatever. Okay. So that's what I do, like, once or, from one to three times a week, I do that. Okay. But my goal is to do that once a week, because I still love it, and then grow my business so much that and I'm so busy, center. I can't even take a second shift. Oh, okay. I love that. Yeah. Um, and then the other question I asked, our, our interview was more focused on other moms, Yeah. but you as a mom, um, pre Dr. Shell mom, what would she say to you now seeing you mothering now? And actually like, I guess if you want to speak to that too, you started your OB career, your OBG career before you had a yeah, baby? Yeah, before I had a baby. Yeah. I had a baby when I was in private practice. Okay. How did that shift for you a little bit? Like the way you... Um, I, I think I just understood that always my family comes before my job, Mm -hmm. but it was very hard because my job is taking care of humans Mm -hmm. and I get very involved. So I struggled a little bit with, um, letting go of the office and going home. So I always had my patients in my mind when I was home and when I was at work, I had my kids in my mind. Ah, so it was hard. It was hard. I think that's like all women. I think we just do no, that. We just uh-uh. no. My best friend is amazing at compartmentalizing, and I and being admire like her present. for it. She's so chill. She'll go home and leave work at work, and she'll go to work and leave home at home. And I, I so admire that. Oh, that's amazing. I think you and you and I are the opposite. But yeah, she's 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 freaking awesome. Oh, that's good. She knows who she is. Oh, <laughs> I mean, so do we. But we have. Um, yeah. We do struggle in that part. No, I mean, she'll know I'm talking about her when she listens to this. Aw, <laughs> hey. <laughs> okay, anything else you want to say before we close out besides call you right now if you are pregnant? You deserve prevention. You don't have to wait until you're struggling to have mm. me fix you, which I'm happy to do so. But I don't want you to get to that point. So and there's no such thing as like, you know that thing of um, don't fix what's not broken? Yeah. That doesn't apply. No. Because it is broken. You just haven't got, gotten there yet. Okay. The system is completely broken. Okay. And you haven't gotten there. That, I love that. You have to fix it because it is broken. It's just you haven't gotten to that part of the bridge. You haven't broken. Because mm-hmm. wow. you haven't been postpartum. Wow. But if you've been okay. postpartum, if you're listening to this and you already had a child, you know that everything I'm saying is true. And you may still have a child and not ask for my services because... You just, you're going to wing it and you're just going to... I don't recommend that. I do not recommend it. No, but some people do. 
But a lot of moms, I'm getting a lot of clients that are second time moms and they're like, I was going to use you for my last, because I've been around enough now because I started this 2019 that I have some clients that said, I was going to use you for my first and then I didn't and now I'm not going to make the same mistake. Mm. And I love that. I'm like, thank you. Thank you. Thank you for saying that. I love that. That's great. So how can everybody find you? On Instagram, um, it's super easy. It's Dr. Shell Cares, just D-R. And then my last name is S-C-H-E-L-L. Cares because I care. (laughs) And then I have a website. It's the same thing, www.drshellcares.com. And you can text me directly. I will answer your text myself, not a robot. It is 305-306-3930. Awesome. Thank you so much for sharing all of that. This is a lot of valuable, very valuable information. And if this is what you're giving people for free, I cannot even imagine what is in um, your services. So thank you for being here. Thank you for having me and for helping me spread the word. Thank you. We definitely will. And if if you're listening right now, just share this with anybody who you think um, could benefit from this. Once again, thank you, thank you, thank you so much, Dr. Shell, for your valuable time and your valuable intellect. Thank you so much for giving us all of those gold nuggets on postpartum, peripartum, all the care that women don't realize that they need. And if you're listening and you found value, in this episode please share it with somebody else who will find value this is how we as women or if there's a man listening right now this is how we as people help each other and just keep this earth moving forward thank you so much for tuning in see you on the next one bye